What is up, guys? Combat Addict here. Welcome to another edition of the Combat Review. Um, we got a bit of a shorter show today. There's not really that much I want to talk about. Um, but uh, I, I do want to say that we do have some developments in the in the MMA world at the very least. Jan Bohovic has accepted the challenge of Israel Adesanya going up to light heavyweight and fighting for the title. Now, first, I guess I'll start by just saying that this fight, in my personal opinion, makes sense. Um, for, for Not really for Jan, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe, maybe a bit for Jan in the sense that he has the opportunity to take some of the hype off of somebody else's name. But truthfully, I mean, uh, that's a high-risk opponent to take right out of the gate having the belt for all of, you know, like six months or something like that. Because I think this fight is supposed to be happening in March. Uh, it's a pretty risky fight for Jan, actually. And um, I would like to say that it probably makes more sense for him to fight and defend his belt a couple times before going straight into trying to take on another champion. Uh, because at least that way you're dealing with a contender. You're not dealing with somebody who's battle tested five round ready, uh, and, and experienced at the highest levels. Um, the fact that he's ready to just go straight into it with someone like Israel Adesanya, who is a combat athlete of, uh, gargantuan status and proportion, uh, right out of the gate is just really, really impressive to me. Um, I guess all I would say is that uh, the fight makes sense for Izzy. Um, and, and it does sort of kind of make sense for Jan if you're, if you're trying to take a risk. The reason that it makes sense for Izzy uh, is because I don't really believe that Izzy has anybody else to fight at this moment. Um, while he could fight Robert Whitaker... Uh, definitely he could fight Robert Whitaker. I don't think that Robert Whitaker is trying to fight anybody uh, anytime soon. Uh, he has been quoted as saying that he wants to fight in March. Uh, but at that point, um, Israel would be fighting, I think, Jan in March anyways. So if you're going to wait for an opponent, would you rather wait for an opponent that you haven't fought before or an opponent that you have fought before and finished in the second round, actually? Uh, Robert Whitaker definitely deserves a title shot, but I think that he actually does need to stay in line here, considering Jan, as a champion, has a bit more um, claim to another title shot, especially as he hasn't he hasn't fought Israel before. Um, but if you're Izzy, I mean, who are you going to fight? You beat Paulo Costa. You beat the guy who beat Jared Cannonier. You you, you beat the guy who beat. Uh, you beat the guy who beat the guy, uh, you know, who beat Jack Hermanson. Is that how that works? No, 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 no. You beat, you beat the guy who beat the guy who beat Jack Hermanson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you took out Yoel Romero. You beat the guy who beat Darren Till. You beat Derek, Derek Brunson. You beat Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, Uriah Hall is all the way at nine, and he literally just had a fight with a with Anderson Silva, um, and uh, well, he did get the finish. But Uriah Hall is not getting a title shot at at number nine. So, 
to be truthful with you, Izzy has cleaned out this division uh, directly or indirectly. He's already cleared it out. So he, at this point, um, for him to sit around at middleweight, not only is that sort of just like the safe bet, it's sort of like, okay, well, we're tired of these games. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, Jan Bohovic is that next thing. And I will say that the Polish power is something that we should really be wary of. Uh, Polish power is very real. As you can see, what happened to Dominic Reyes, I mean, we haven't seen anyone do that to Dominic Reyes before. Dominic Reyes was was a, was an unstoppable force, it seemed. He seemed like a, a, a railroad track that couldn't be stopped by anything but a bad decision. And then Jan Bohovic comes along and crushes his nose, rearranges his face, and knocks him unconscious. Uh, this guy Jan is no joke, and he's a veteran. He's been around here for a while. Um, so... This is a proper challenge for Israel. Israel's not playing it safe. Israel's doing doing the right thing, in my opinion, and taking on taking on those harder fights. Um, now, I believe Israel Adesanya wins this fight. The reason I believe that Israel Adesanya wins this fight is because I do not see Jan Bohovic as uh, a striker who could be as technical as Israel Adesanya, and I do not see Israel Adesanya getting stupid enough to get caught with a careless shot. Israel's been in there with Yoel Romero, Paulo Costa, these guys, these are all guys that have power. These are all guys who could put you away with one shot. And he survived both of them. There's no reason for me to think that because Jan Bohovic is just bigger, that Israel Adesanya is going to have a problem with him. Now, to be honest, the fact that he's bigger might mean that he's slower. And in fact, Israel Adesanya might have an easier time with him. Um, it could be a leg kick affair again. That could very much be what happens. But I will say that... Uh, if you're trying to put your money down, you really would put your money down on Jan basically because of power and not because of technique. And I think that technique wins every time. Or at least technique usually wins every time. So I think that Izzy wins that fight. Um, and I think he's he needs to be very careful about it. I think he wins, but I think he needs to be very careful about how he goes about winning that fight. In any case, the fight makes sense. Um... And I'm relatively excited to see it because I am an Israel Adesanya fan, and I and I do want to see him take this challenge. I mean, he's been taking on contenders at this point. This is like the first time we're seeing him go up against another upper echelon. And Jan Bohovic hasn't been proven at all. I mean, he he just won the title, he just won the belt. But for Israel Adesanya, this is a legacy thing. You know what I mean? This is a I've been in the UFC for like three years and I'm about to hold two belts. Um, that's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. So definitely excited for that. Uh, in other news, um, there was uh, some issues with marijuana 
the Nevada Athletic Commission recently handed Trevin Jones, Kevin Kroom, and Jose Flores suspensions and fines, uh, as well as overturning Jones's and Kroom's comeback wins. Uh, they made them no contests, and many fighters may suffer similar repercussions uh, uh, just because of marijuana use. Um, now, Dana White basically said uh, that the problem is, even though marijuana is not like the, the end of the world, it's not uh, an extremely destructive drug or something like that, you can't have guys getting into the cage high and fighting. That's, I imagine for them, he didn't say this part, but I imagine for them that that's like a huge liability, um, having people high in the cage fighting. And I've heard that there are people who actually get high before they train. And, you know you fight the way that you, that you practice you fight the way that you train if you train high all the time you're probably going to be a little bit off if you get into the cage and you're completely sober so there are probably guys out there who are getting high uh rolling jujitsu which i've heard that that makes everything so much more intense i don't smoke weed so i'm not sure i'm not sure i wish i could give that give that a try um and I guess the question is like, if a fighter can train while high, should they be able to fight while high? And the, the obvious answer is like, no, that's a liability. You know, you get too high and then you get your neck broken in the, in the octagon. It's like, well, the UFC is going to have a, a, a huge problem. But with respect to testing, uh, I don't think that people should be suspended or have their wins overturned because they are an avid user of marijuana which is a completely legal substance you know people like donald cerrone have even admitted to chugging beers the the the, the week of a fight you know if you find alcohol or traces of alcohol in donald cerrone's system after one of his fights do you overturn his win probably not so to do the do the same for marijuana is a little bit ridiculous to me. I don't know. I think that marijuana is uh especially for something like fighting. It's harmless like I don't know, man. The amount of stuff that these guys deal with like after fights, the pain that they probably go through, I can see how a joint might be tempting. But I guess that's what CBD is for, so you can't even use that argument. Because CBD is probably, uh, probably more effective anyways, if you just get straight CBD rather than marijuana with THC in it. Anyways, man, I guess my opinion about marijuana is just that it's it's sort of ridiculous that people are having uh, fights turned over into no contests. I mean, do you really think the marijuana had something to do with their with their victory? 
I mean, unless you can prove that they were high at the time of the fight and you want to say that marijuana makes you perform better or something like that, that it gives you some sort of mental attribute, I can see how you could make that argument. But is that why you're penalizing them or are you penalizing them because you have a stigma against marijuana, you know? It's different here in Canada, man. Like, it's legal. You can smoke it and guess what? Everybody's fine. Nobody's died yet. It's okay. It's okay. People just quit it too. There are people like I I'm I'm I know people who have just quit smoking marijuana. Like I I I used to smoke marijuana. Then I just quit. And I just don't smoke it anymore. I almost feel nervous saying that on camera. Like I used to smoke marijuana. <laughs> like you feel like you shouldn't even say it. Because of the way that they you know, beat it into you that it was bad. It was a gateway drug, but it's legal now. People, there, there's a market for it. You know what I mean? It's just crazy to me that in the states, like depending on the state that you're in, you can go to jail for a long time for having marijuana or smoke a joint beside a police officer. It's wild. It's wild. In one part of the country, smoking marijuana will ruin your life. And in another part of the country, you can go and buy it from a store. I don't know. There's that, Maybe that's why, <laughs> honestly, sometimes that's why I'm like, I'm just glad I live in Canada. Because at least we've got consistency when it comes to certain things. It's like either marijuana is okay or it's not okay. You can't just go somewhere else to get it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Anyways, speaking of Dana White, man, I find that Dana, like, twists the words of fighters a lot, and I don't know, I don't know how to, how to feel about it. It's, um, it's, it's, it's weird because I, I like Dana White, but I also don't, I don't like the way he treats, uh, fighters sometimes. I mean... We're, we're talking about Dustin Poirier here, and we'll start by saying that this all began originally when Dustin Poirier was supposed to fight Tony Ferguson, and Dana White went on the air in front of the media and said that Dustin Poirier negotiated himself out of the fight and that he didn't want the fight with Tony Ferguson. Now... Dustin Poirier goes on Twitter and goes, I want the fight. I don't know why you're telling people I don't want the fight. I want the fight. Literally goes out of his way to almost fight Conor McGregor outside of the UFC. Because he wants a fight so bad. Now again, we've got Dana White talking about the fight between Conor and Dustin. And saying that as far as he knows, the fight is done. Like it's set in stone, it's going to happen. Only to have Dustin Poirier go on Twitter and say, Me at the Notorious MMA is the fight January 23rd. Let's make it official UFC Dana White. Send me the contract. Stop playing games. So Dustin Poirier hasn't even gotten a contract yet. And Dana White is out here saying that it's done. 
This is not the only example of this. This is not the only example of Dana White kind of twisting people's words. Robert Whitaker has also said that Dana White sort of twisted his words when it came to fighting Israel Adesanya. Um, Whitaker said, I certainly think he took a little twist to what I said. I never said I don't want to fight Izzy. That's not something I said. I did not say that. I'm looking to fight in March, April next year. I would love to fight Izzy. If Izzy's moving up to fight Jan, then I'll move up and fight him there if he gets the win. I want that fight. I do want that fight. We just had, we just had to work it into that timeline. But Dana White is out here saying that he doesn't want the fight with Israel Adesanya. Apparently. So Dana White says, I was like, I'm going to have to sit down with this kid, Adesanya, and convince him on why he needs to fight Whitaker. Okay. Whitaker comes out and says he doesn't want the fight. Craziest expletive I've ever seen. I thought Whitaker deserved that shot and Whitaker doesn't want it. So yeah, we'll let Adesanya move up. That's what Dana White said. And again, we get this 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 cognitive dissonance where it's like Robert Whitaker isn't saying that. And I, I'm going to be honest with you guys, like we've got people like Conor McGregor calling Dana White out on Twitter. We got Dustin Poirier calling Dana White on Twitter. We got Robert Whitaker, the nicest guy in the UFC, literally the nicest person who's, who's standing up and saying, I did not say this thing that this man is saying I said. And it makes me wonder if Dana White is either just like, he just makes mistakes all the time with what people say, or he genuinely is misconstruing the words of fighters, like to make an excuse for why another fight should happen. Like, I don't know why he throws fighters under the bus like that. It's weird because it doesn't need to do that. He could just say, oh, well, Robert wants to spend Christmas with his family or whatever, and he, it isn't working in his timeline. He could just say that. But instead, he's like, no, he doesn't want the fight. It's weird. I don't know. He doesn't want the fight. He said this about Dustin Poirier, too, who is like the most down fighter of all the fighters, aside from Cowboy Cerrone and Tony Ferguson. Because Dustin wants more money, you think he's negotiating himself out of a fight? That's crazy. I don't think Dana White is stupid, and I don't know why he's doing this. I don't know why... I don't know why he um, misconstrues their words, but it's a problem. It's a problem because, A, it makes me sort of... I like him a bit less in the sense that I feel like I can't trust him. I feel like he's sort of like a shady individual when he does stuff like that. Right? And I also feel bad for the fighters because I, I look at the UFC and I'm like, they really have all the power in their relationship with their fighters. The truth is, fighters do not have 
the pull that they should have. I was I was um, watching Joe Rogan's podcast and a MMA analyst named Luke Luke something was on there the other day, and he was talking about how Dustin Poirier, in comparison to another fighter who boxes, is more famous, but is paid several times less for fights. Like Dustin Poirier will get paid $400,000 for a fight. And this boxer who is less popular in every way will get paid like one to $2 million. And Dustin Poirier can't even negotiate his way up. And he's a, he's a popular fighter. Like people know him. They've got, like, no leverage as far as I can see. And for people to lie about the things that they're saying, it makes it even worse. Because it's one thing to have that leverage, but it's another thing to use that leverage in deceitful ways. That's like, no, man, I can't respect that at all. I hope that he just, like, is making a mistake most of the time and just doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, oh, well, I thought that the fighter said this, but I don't think they really did. I hope that's what it is. But it honestly doesn't seem like that when so many people are coming out like, okay, you're saying one thing and doing another. You know? And on the topic of fighter pay, I'm pretty sure like the average UFC fighter gets paid like 12K for a showing. So if they fight four times in a year, which is usually what fighters are going to, you know, that's usually how much somebody's going to fight. They make like $48,000 if they lose all their fights. If they win, I think they get another twelve. I think. That is not that much money. When you consider like training and rehab and food and rent and gym memberships and coaching and cornering, like that's... And taxes, they do not get paid, like, nearly enough money for what they do. And I don't know if it's because the sport is just new, but, I mean, it's pretty huge now. It's huge enough that, like, I would imagine they can pay them more. But I've heard that uh, because the UFC is a part of a company called, I think it's NME or N WME or something like that. It's like an entertainment agency who's actually kind of got one leg in the hole, they don't have much money to, to spread around. This is what I heard. Now, there was an interesting idea that was brought up by this YouTuber. He had said we should maybe get rid of the bonus system. Get rid of the bonus system. There's about, what is it, $8 million a year that goes to the bonus system. And he was saying what they need to do is spread that out between the fighters. I think if you spread that out between the fighters, each fighter would get something like $8 million. That sounds like way too much. $8 million sounds like way too much. Look, I'm bad at math, but the point is, he said, if you spread out all of the bonuses, you give each fighter 
like a base level pay of $16,000. That's not including what they get for showing and winning, right? You can substantially improve each fighter's standard of living and give them the opportunity to train more. You get better fighters, you get better fights, you get healthier fighters. But you do lose the all exciting performance bonus. I mean, you could keep performance of the night bonus or performance of the night um like labels, like labeling awards and just give them sort of out of sort of like an honor like, okay, this was the performance of the night and you get like a plaque or something like that or whatever. But then people, people wouldn't get that 50 G's anymore, you know? And I think that a lot of people would argue that, well, you know what? Like that 50 G, that bonus, that, that's an incentive for people to, to fight better, to fight harder. If they don't have that, they're not going to fight as hard to make things happen. And I don't think that's true. I think that fighters have pretty big egos and they want that highlight because they want a highlight. They don't just want to get paid. Like, yes, they want to get paid, but they want that highlight because they love to fight and they love to kick ass. They're going out there and they're trying to win every time. Because if you're not trying to win, you're going to get clattered off of the canvas. So I don't think the performance bonus is what makes these fights awesome. I think that people would be fighting awesome fights either way. You don't get into a cage and do MMA because you just you just feel like you might want some money. You got to actually really like it, I think. You know, I think you got to really enjoy it. I mean, if you're going to do it... If you're going to be successful at it, I think you got to actually want to win and want to win in spectacular fashion. If money is your only motivation, I don't I don't understand how that's how that's even possible. Like you're not doing the right thing. You're doing the wrong thing. You need to be doing something else. But I think it's a it's a decent idea. It's not a horrible idea. I mean, they could they could also do a bit of both. They don't have to do like, well, let's fully get rid of the 50k. They could do like a 25k bonus and give everybody $8,000. Why not? Because that way you still incentivize people, you give everybody a baseline of $8,000 and you can still kind of work it that way. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like 50K or nothing. It could be a mix of the two, right? Try to like elevate the standard of living for the fighters a little bit, but also have that, that special bonus in there, that, that, that reward in there. Sure, it's a little bit less money, but... For the few people who actually get performance bonuses, I don't think it's going to be a problem. You know? That's the truth.
Um. You know what I was thinking? After fights. There's a moment where a fighter can either pay respect to the person that they've just been punching in the face for 15 or 25 minutes. Or they can just walk away with their hands raised. And I think it's kind of rude to do the latter. I think that like when a fight is over, when fighters just like stop fighting and don't even like acknowledge their opponent and just walk around like this, it's uh, it's kind of a dick move. It's like, wow, you really, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too nice. Maybe I just feel like I would want to respect the person that I shared the octagon with and, you know, give them a hug and say thank you for the fight first before raising my hands I don't know why I just feel like it's rude and I don't like seeing it when I see it I'm like oh that's a like come on man you're a jerk <laughs> the truth is he doesn't have to he doesn't have to you know say thank you for the fight or whatever but I'm just saying if you don't you look like a you look like a d-bag you know when people look like even more, like like worse D-bags? When the fight isn't even over, they've clearly been winning it. And in the last 10 seconds, they just like side shuffle away with their hands in the air and wait for the horn to, to sound. That right there pisses me right off. I get very mad when I see that. Not that mad, but I get like annoyed. I'm like, you are such a... a, a uh, D-I-C, you know what I mean? Like, you, you just, you suck. You suck for doing that. Because first off, who are you doing that for? I don't know, you're not doing that for me. I don't want to see you raise your hands in the air. You're, you're not doing it for your coaches. I don't think they, you know, are, are concerned with whether or not you, you make a point to let everybody know that you know you won. You're doing that for you. You've got your ego in your back pocket and you decided to pull it out in the last 10 seconds of the fight and run away from your opponent just so you could showboat on them. And then try to shake their hand after like you didn't just rub a victory in their face. What's wrong with you? You, you already won. You know you won. Just chill, man. And there's like a level of maturity, I think, that some fighters don't have. Especially if fighting is all they've ever done. Like, if they haven't had the opportunity to get, I don't know, a part of life. Like, to get a part of, like, to get into a part of life that has nothing to do with, like, how macho you are, how tough you are, or how badass you are. If they've never had an opportunity to engage any of that, chances are their ego is just massive and, and can't take any sort of challenge, A, 
but B also gets in the way of them seeing themselves the way that the world is going to see them and not the way that they want the world to see them. Because they want the world to see them with their hands raised and, you know, with the victory and, yeah, I'm, I'm sick, I'm so dope, I just, like, beat this guy, so I'm going to raise my hands over him, the bell's going to ring, and then I'm going to shake his hand. Or, worse, not even try to shake his hand. Just be like, LOL, I just beat you. And then walk away. That's not how I think competition should be, man. I think that competition, it's, it's a relationship that you have with the other person. When you fight somebody, you enter into a relationship with them. Don't disrespect that relationship. You know what I'm saying? Understand that you need two people to tango. All right? That's your dance partner. Without them, you have nothing. Whether you win or you lose, you need to acknowledge them. That's what I believe. You need to say thank you. That's what I believe. It's ironic because you're hitting each other in the face. So it's like, what? Thank you for the ass whooping? I know. But for whatever reason, it just feels right to, to engage that person who you were in competition with. It's sportsmanship. And to not do that and just raise your hands over their head, it's just like, man, you are such an a-hole. That's my personal take on it. All right, real quickly, we'll talk about this. I, I really don't even care about this. But it's right in front of me, and I, and I wrote it down as something that we should talk about. So I'm going to talk about it. So Greg Hardy's fight almost didn't happen on the weekend because apparently some people were trying to extort him last minute he has been posting stuff on Instagram to try to prove that he did not domestically abuse anybody now some of the stuff he posted I don't know how reputable it is it could all just be nonsense to be honest with you um, some of the stuff he posted would make it appear like the woman that he was, by the way, convicted or not convicted, but like, like found guilty of, um, assaulting, uh, some of the stuff that she would have said, if it was true, what he had posted would make it seem like she had lied about some things. That doesn't mean she lied about everything. Now, what is true is that he was found guilty. The only reason that he didn't uh, have it uh, placed on his record is because I think in the appeal, uh, the woman decided not to show up. I suppose that the two of them, Hardy and this woman, had come to some sort of settlement and she didn't show up and so the case was dropped. If she had shown up, he would have been, you know, charged and that would have been on his record. Like he would have had, you know, domestic, domestic assault or something like that. Um, 
But I believe that he said that he wasn't found guilty. I believe he said that. And this is also the same guy who used an inhaler halfway through the fight. This is also the same guy who threw an illegal blow in the fight. This is also the same guy who had to be warned multiple times about putting his fingers in the eyes of his opponent. Guys, I don't know what to tell you other than this. For some reason, I just don't trust Greg Hardy. I just don't trust the guy. I just don't. And the fact that he's out here trying to post and prove that he didn't do this thing all these months later I don't know how to feel about it I don't know if he's like I don't know how to feel about it man I don't know the details of the case. Maybe I should look into it. But to be honest, I don't care about it that much. I don't care about it that much. All I know is that he was apparently found guilty. And the only reason that it didn't go further is because the woman didn't show up and the, and the case was dropped. That's what I know. So based on the professionals and the court system, the dude was guilty. But he's talking about people trying to ruin his life and extort him before the fight now. Mind you, he started posting this stuff about his innocence before they tried to extort him. Look, man, I don't know. You got to follow your gut sometimes. And my gut tells me that that guy is not, he's not all right. Like, I do not. I do not trust him. Rashad Adams, Rashad Evans works with him, and Rashad, I trust Rashad. Rashad seems like a good guy, so that is like the saving grace of this individual. Like the fact that Rashad will work with him makes me think that there's got to be some like saving grace about his personality. But I honestly, straight up, one hundred percent, do not trust the guy. In any case, man, that is as much as I'm going to say about that. I'm not going to go through this guy's case and dig through the testimonials and try to figure out like whether or not he hit this woman or didn't hit this woman. It's not. It really is not that serious to me. But one thing I can tell you, the back of my mind tells me that he did that. The back of my mind tells me he did that. My gut tells me he did it. That doesn't mean he did. That doesn't mean it's 100% true. But the woman had marks on her body that I don't know how you get on. I don't know how you get marks like that on your body by yourself. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I don't want to. I don't want to stereotype or anything, but. Those dudes in the NFL, some of them get crazy, man. Some of them get crazy. Super violent.
in any case, we'll see where his career goes from here. I, I hope he just gets himself together and stops talking about this damn thing. Because the truth is, nobody's going to go back and try to figure out what happened. I mean, I could, but I, I am like busy enough with all the stuff that I do and don't want to do. <laughs> I got to make another video like a week from now. Anyways, man, if you made it to this point in the podcast, I want to thank you for listening to this this whole thing. If you ever have something you want me to talk about, just let me know. If you want to message me on Instagram or Twitter, my uh, social media handle is the Combat Attic, no spaces. And that's it for today's show, guys. I told you it'd be shorter. It's like forty minutes. We did a 40 minute today. Thank you for listening. Combat Addict out.